Hey, everybody! Happy Thanksgiving! Or day after Thanksgiving, depending on when you're listening to this. Woo! But it should be releasing on Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving! Or days after Thanksgiving, if you listen to this eons in the future. Hi, I'm Alex. <laughs> I'm Nick. I'm Elise. Hey, this is I forgot my name for a second. It was fun. <laughs> Who am I? Uh, out of body experience. So. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's it's Thanksgiving 2020, which means <laughs> nothing which means, nothing matters. Which means you shouldn't be doing anything. Stay home. What are you doing? Yeah, we should. Yeah. Exactly. We. Uh, is this the year that we can finally cancel Thanksgiving? <laughs> I know, right? But but unfortunately, so this is what we were talking about just before we started the podcast. Um, is R.I.P. Drinksgiving, mm -hmm. which was the most magical time of year. So, uh, Alex, do you know what Drinksgiving is? Uh, also known as Skanksgiving, also known as Blackout Wednesday. It sounds like the most Elise thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> well, it was apparently not just an Elise thing. Elise thought it was just an Elise thing, but it's not. Yeah, no, this entire time I thought I was like the only person celebrating this. But okay. um, apparently it is a thing. Um, it is a thing for people in their 20s and their 30s. Uh, especially people who go home. Now, I never had this experience of like going home for Thanksgiving because I stayed in my hometown for my 20s because um, I'm a pathetic loser, but not really. But um, and but the idea of like you go out to the bars and you get shit faced um, the um, day before Thanksgiving because oh, the, the next day all you're going to do is like sit around and eat. You know, you're in your 20s. You're single probably. And, like, nobody fucking trusts single people to bring um, food. Man, being married <laughs> and Thanksgiving kind of sucks. Yeah. Because people are like, oh, you got married. You spent, what, like... What do you, will like, you bring? The, the equivalent of a down payment on a house, <laughs> uh, on a wedding. Clearly, you're a responsible individual. <laughs> what, how many... It's not even, like, what dish you're bringing to Thanksgiving. It's how many dishes <laughs> is your dumb ass bringing to Thanksgiving. Also, how do you fold a napkin? Which is an argument that <laughs> I got. That's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. Trick that question. You there. don't. Who, who folds napkins? Oh, honey. <laughs> oh, honey. Okay. I will. Let me talk about Thanksgiving, and then I will talk, talk about the folding napkin story. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, no, being married on Thanksgiving sucks because it's like, are you like, okay, you got to bring the cheese board and you got to bring the like stuffing and you got to bring this. And it's like, <laughs> like put the fucking single people to work. Thank you. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's also, um, I feel like it's also like, there's a little bit of that. That's also a uh, compliment. Cause it's like, if someone uh, doesn't ask you to bring a dish to Thanksgiving, <laughs> it's cause you're an irresponsible 20 something. Like, it's cause you can't cook. It's yeah. It's yeah. like, Oh, <laughs> what did you bring? A skillet full of, <laughs> Hamburger helper, mm, delicious. Last oh, is that the store-bought mac and cheese? The craft. Last year, I, I last year I did the uh, sweet potato casserole, but I'm nice. yeah. Anyway, um, so Thanksgiving, it was like you'd go. Now there was a lot of years where I went to New York to visit my family, and so like we would go, we would go bar hopping the night before Thanksgiving, um, you know, as God intended. <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, Not cause you year. can't, you can't do it on Christmas Eve cause Christmas Eve is like sacred and you have to go to mass and like, yeah. you know, you have to like feast of seven fishes, but like, who cares about Thanksgiving? Like fucking Protestants came up with Thanksgiving. <laughs> who gives a shit? <laughs> like, <laughs> who 
<laughs> there is no like holiness here. Just, just a lot of white people eating turkey. No, just kidding. Like multiple people, but lots of people eat turkey um, on Thanksgiving. But yeah, so it was like, okay. Um, so you go out to the bars. Go out to the bars, get shit-faced. Maybe hook up with somebody. It was great. It was great. Uh, Skanksgiving, R.I.P. It's very, very sad. Apparently it is. And so like this entire time, I thought it was like something that only like I did and my family did. You know, especially if it was like we were home and like my siblings coming home. Um, you know, cause it was like one of the few times where we could all hang out together, um, without our parents. And cause I'm the youngest out of four I'm a big fucking Catholic family. Like, you know, it's, it's fun. It's fun to like go out and, you know, hang out with your family in like a non, in like a different context, you know? Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought I was like the only one and it turns out it's like one of the biggest drinking nights of the year. Like everybody goes out and gets shit ha- get gets shit faced. So, you know, but but don't do it this year. Don't do it as bad. Or if you do it, do it from the safety of your own home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get drunk alone in your own house. <laughs> Zoom call drunk. <laughs> Zoom call. I have done cocktail hours on Zoom. Mm. I was like a big thing in the early days of the pandemic. It's like, oh, like we'll just have fun, and now it's just sad drinking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, the napkin story. Oh God! Yeah. Do you want to? Have I, I never I, told you this story? I think this. I'm pretty sure we've told this story on the podcast before, but in the event that we haven't, the people need to know. <laughs> this is for sure. We have for sure talked about this on the podcast. It's probable but, that we have at some point. Okay. Um, if you so, want, if if you're listening and you have heard this story before, because we can't remember it, uh, send us a message on some nerd seven oh, email at just, gmail.com. Oh, okay, like we can't remember if we've told it before. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Let us know. Like, if we've told I definitely it. know this story. Oh my god, I was, I was there for this one. So okay, so it was one of it was our first. We started dating in September, so the first year we didn't have. Thanksgiving together because it was too soon. We'd been dating for like three months. But then like the following year, after we'd been dating for a year, um, I invited Nick. God, it was such a mistake. <laughs> such a mistake. I stuck around. Oh, my God. I can't believe you stuck around this long. Um, so I invited Nick to go with me um, to Thanksgiving in New York with my siblings, right? So, which is very, very fun. Um, so it was – so we, we drove – from where we were living, we drove up to New York City. Um, and my family, because we're fucking Catholics and fuck Thanksgiving. It's a Protestant holiday. And actually, that's that's such a lie. We, we drink this way on Christmas, too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's like every holiday we drink like this. Um, so you'd start drinking at like, you know, I think we started drinking at like 10, 10 in, in the, the morning. morning. <laughs> well, cause we had to try the cocktails. Yeah. yeah. Cause we were perfecting Thanksgiving cocktails. We had to give feedback. Also like, you know, you gotta be like, it's, it's hair of the dog because we went out drinking the night before. Did we? So, no, cause we got, we arrived the day before. So I don't think we had the energy to go out drinking that. Night. Maybe not. Um, so we, anyway, regardless of, of if we were hungover or not. So my family starts drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning because that's Thanksgiving. That's like any fucking holiday with my family. And um, by like two o'clock, we're all kind of like raging drunk. Um, <laughs> like we've been drinking for four hours and not like beer and wine. Like we have been drinking hard alcohol 
since 10 o'clock in the morning. And my sister, in all of her knowledge and wisdom, is like, I'm going to take a shower. Elise, you need to take care of the napkins. Like, you need to fold the napkins. And I was like, okay. So um, so my sister's taking a shower. I iron the napkins because that was an argument the previous year. Uh, we had gotten into a shouting match about whether or not you iron napkins. Apparently, you do. And then the following year, we had gotten into an argument about like folding napkins because I was trying to find I was like looking up on Pinterest I was like trying to find a fold for the napkins because we didn't have fucking napkin rings because somebody lives like an animal <laughs> um and so I did Bluesiest a very simple I did a very simple trifold because it's it's elegant there is an elegance and simplicity and I had folded all of the motherfucking napkins and my sister got out of the shower and she came over and she was like what is this and I'm like I folded the napkins and she's like you did a trifold it's Thanksgiving we need to have a pope's hat and I was like she's a bishop's hat and I was like Jesus fucking Christ (laughs) and we got into this like shouting like we got into a, a straight up screaming match over how I folded the napkins. And meanwhile, <laughs> like, o- Elisa, like uh, Elisa's brother-in-law and I are just kind of <laughs> off to the side drinking the cocktails that he made, like very quietly judging everyone else in the room. And I think at that point, like I did bring up like, why the fuck don't you have napkin bricks? <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> and so now there's just been like a running joke yeah. in my family that like every Thanksgiving we get into an argument about napkins, which now that I'm telling it out loud for probably the 15th million time, it's I'm still like, funny. one is <laughs> really, because I'm like, man, we are some bougie ass Yo, bitches. yeah, that's what makes it so funny. Because <laughs> so we had very passionate feelings about how napkins should be folded. Like, yeah. like oh, I, every Thanksgiving I can think of, we used paper napkins and we just like. What the fuck? <laughs> Because there were, like, all the ones that I remember, like, usually were children, and so we're going to make messes. So who's going to bother washing? Who has, like, who has, like, washable napkins? My family. Okay. We do not, I don't think. Or if we did. I don't think, I don't think that I did, I don't remember ever having cloth napkins at my house either. I think we may have bought special ones that have, like, a turkey printed on it. Oh my god, you didn't even use Vanity Fair? I, I don't know. What? Like the magazine? No, it's a brand of napkins. Oh. Listen, it's the only acceptable paper napkin. We, we like bought if you're the... going to get a paper I think, napkin. I think we had a big value pack from, from uh, Walmart. Yeah, that sounds about just, right. No, you have to... If, if you are going to stoop to the level of having a paper napkin at your Thanksgiving, and I'm 100% judging you because my fucking ancestors came over on the Mayflower and colonized. I'm judging you for this. And did not do unspeakable genocides for you to use paper napkins that you got from Walmart. Well, now I'm going to do it harder. Yeah, when we did... Just to spite you, colonizer. Growing up... Growing up at, at fuck my, my house, fuck my ancestors. By the way, just yeah. fuck them. Growing up at my house, Thanksgiving was usually like Cornish game hens because my sister hated turkey, and like uh, stovetop stuffing, 
and like some green vegetable and like paper napkins and that was thanksgiving usually yeah i remember um, usually i remember more often the watching of the the parade than anything else yeah yeah what about the dog show i never watched the dog show what the, the fuck the puppy the dog bowl because i think what? we watched the puppy bowl no, that's during, no, that's that's during the Super during Bowl. The, Super Bowl. the dog show. Oh. It's the Westminster dog show. Oh, why the f- why would we watch the fucking dog show? Because the dogs worked really hard, Alex. <laughs> and it's that's their not, event. The puppy bowl is for like those dogs. They get they work so hard to get all those genetic deformities. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, also, I'll, uh, I will say, I will say, a lot of the time. We didn't have Thanksgiving at home. A lot of the time we were traveling on Thanksgiving. And then we had Thanksgiving usually the day after. Um, and the reason for that was because we didn't want to travel the day before Thanksgiving. and get Only stuck. that's amateur hour. Yeah, that's amateur hour. Um, and so we would dra- drive down to my, grand- my grandparents' house in South Carolina on Thanksgiving. And then the day after Thanksgiving, my grandmother would make a big big feast of just like tons of food but i don't think she used cloth napkins either i don't remember <laughs> maybe she did i honestly don't your remember. your grandmother probably used vanity fair i possibly because your grandmother was a very classy lady mm-hmm. that i never I, met i mostly yeah <laughs> i mostly remember the sweet tea that's that's the thing that i remember the most and the rolls are the things that i remember the most um but the reason why we did that is because my my half brother uh, also lived in South Carolina, and his birthday was usually the week of Thanksgiving because it's like the end of Jan of the end of November. So we usually kind of wrap those things up into like one big event down in South Carolina. But after my grandparents passed away, it was mostly just yeah, you know, Cornish game hens and so stop stuffing. And like maybe something else, like maybe something fancy, like like a nice cranberry sauce, but paper napkins from like the Winn Dixie. <laughs> Which we, I have to say, like when we still to this day when we have Thanksgiving dinner with your dad, that's pretty much what it still is. Yeah, yeah is we'll we'll have a cornet. Which I mean, if you've ever tried to eat an entire fucking Cornish game hen, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is that's oh, a lot of oh food. my god. Thanks Thanksgiving is what you make of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. and it doesn't always have to involve. Ironed cloth, Ironed napkins, cloth napkins folded into a bishop's hat. When when we first moved in together, Elise insisted that we get cloth napkins, and I don't think well, maybe we've used them like three times. Listen, I was I was trying to live a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I think once we buy a house, once we buy a house, then I'm gonna get some cloth fucking napkins, mm. and I'm gonna have napkin rings. Okay, because that's how you do it. Nobody has time to fold napkins. <laughs> it's got too many things. This Nobody has time to iron napkins or wash exactly. them. Well, no, that's the that's why you get a <laughs> napkin napkins. so that nobody knows that you like didn't have time to iron it. It's great. It's perfect. Well, why don't you just keep them in the the napkin ring and then give the people paper napkins so they can actually use that and just have Jesus the, Christ, the Alex, cloth napkins what? as a display that nobody touches because nobody wants to mess with that. Mm-hmm. That what? Why would I do that? <laughs> to spite your ancestors? Oh my god! 
I do that in other ways, trust me. But um, if, if you hadn't guessed, I don't have the most respect for the Thanksgiving holiday either in my own way. No, that's fair. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, like on the one hand, it's like, it is, it is a shitty holiday. <laughs> but like as an adult, I kind of like it. I don't know. I wish like, it did. Like, I wish you it had a different have, origin like, story. You could have like a end of the year harvest festival, like yeah. like feast kind of thing, without tying it directly to colonialism. Like I think I I read a um I read an op ed years ago that was like it's time to just move Thanksgiving to like March. Well, or something. I mean, here's here's the thing. If you really want to get rid of it, like you just. You just need to, like, move past the story of the Mayflower and the story of the Pilgrims. Because at the end of the day, they didn't really matter. And it's not really the reason why we celebrate Thanksgiving. Like, there's a long period of time (laughs) that passes with no November holiday called Thanksgiving. The reason why Thanksgiving as it exists now, really, like, if if you want to be, like, really, like... Like really go as far back as you possibly can goes back to the Civil War, um, and if you're being completely honest, the modern holiday of Thanksgiving goes back to like uh, the Great Depression. Yeah, I was gonna say like it was FDR yeah. pushed it because, and that's the Thanksgiving that I celebrate. <laughs> we're, like, we're we're all poor, but let's be happy about what we have. Yeah. <laughs> it's the FDR. The New Deal Thanksgiving. And what we have are paper napkins. <laughs> what we have are paper <laughs> napkins that we buy from the Winn-Dixie, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I could be down. I could be down with a, a Be down with the proletari- proletarian Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> as long as I can bring my own cloth napkins. <laughs> oh, my God. Just I'm just kidding. Bring your own. I'm joking. BYO napkin. BYO napkin. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, and now that we've gotten our our twenty minute Elise rant <laughs> done for the start, out of the way. <laughs> oh no! But you had another one. Uh, you had another one squared away talking about the dog show. Oh my god! Okay, so this is like the other argument that we've been having today. Uh-huh. Um, so the other, so the Westminster Dog Show, which is happening, always happens on Thanksgiving. Um. And uh, so this year they're going to they're going to have it, which is interesting. Um, the, usually the, it's like a big event and it's like two thousand dogs and like media and spectators and all of this other all of this other like hubbaloo right? Hubbaloo, uh, thank you. And um, and this year they're cutting it down from two thousand to six hundred. They're only allowing six hundred dogs to compete, and they've added three new breeds. Um, so they added the um, the Barbette, the Doggo or Belgian. <laughs> I was getting to that one. The Belgian Lacanau and then <laughs> the Doggo Argentino. I shit you not. It is called. I shits you not. It is called the the Doggo. It is called the Doggo Argentino. So there's there's a breed of dog called Doggo. There needs to be um, there needs to be a breed of dog named Good Heckin' Pupper. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, okay. So here's here's my point. So Elise is saying 
that these are they're new, new dogs. dogs. They're not. Nick was not like, "Why do dogs. you have to have they're not a, new dogs. a dog show like every yeah, year?" They're just the same. There's, dogs. there's, there's some dogs, and I'm like, "No, they're not. They're different dogs. They add new breeds." The AKC like recognizes new breeds okay. every but year. Here's the thing, Alex. So one of those dogs, the Barbette, is the ancestor of the poodle. Tell me, <laughs> does that make it a new dog? Oh, hold up, hold up. It's older than poodle. Are you there? Yeah, sorry. Okay, it is older than poodles. <laughs> poodles are not new dogs, so it can't be a new dog. What? One of my. I put. Mm? Go ahead, go ahead. Um, so, like, I had pointed out to Nick, I was like, well, they, what you're talking about is backyard breeding, no, right? I'm like, about which new is. Dogs. Shut up. Stop talking. <laughs> okay. So, Nick is like, I'm like, oh, no, because it's like golden doodles, right? It's like somebody is like, oh, I'm going to have like a golden retriever and it's going to have sex with this poodle and I'm going to make a whole new breed of dog. And that is apparently not what Nick wants. Nick wants some dog scientist yes. from a lab to make like a fucking new dog 2.0, <laughs> which that's is not first how, of all ridiculous. That's not how breeds work. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is like you take you take like one purebred animal and another purebred animal, and you get just like. You get like yeah, like a like a crossbreed, like a like a golden doodle or a labradoodle or whatever. And it's like I don't that's not what I mean. Like that's that's just a mutt. And like mutts are great and they're important. That's but, the good heckin' pupper right there. The, yeah, yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Like the good they, I want a scientist to go into a lab and come out with a good heckin' pupper is a brand new dog, dog two So apparently okay, so a friend of mine had this big long rant at work when uh one day not too long ago about dog breeds. Um mm-hmm. and he was going off I can't remember all of the dogs he was mentioning, but uh, he was going off about how a lot of the the dogs that are supposedly like n- new world species, like chihuahuas mm-hmm. and things like that, are actually fake. Like they're actually old world breeds that have been bred to look like now extinct new world breeds. Huh. So I've not heard of that. So in that sense, they are new breeds. Like their DNA is not the same as those original dogs that look that way, but they look identical to it. So hmm. in the sense, those are new breeds. Yeah. See, but new we dogs. continue to call them old breeds. I mean, that's that's a little bit closer to what I'm talking about. I guess what I'm saying is if you are give me something that looks exactly like a poodle but isn't... It doesn't I look exactly that. like a poodle. <laughs> if anything, it looks no, like no, a no. Portuguese no, 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 water no, no, dog. No, 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 no. I'm talking, I'm talking about, like, this is what I want. Is I want someone to just take a whole bunch of other dogs and breed them together until they re- they create <laughs> something like that poodle. is identical to a poodle but isn't a poodle. <laughs> And then call it something else. And then call it something else, yeah. And then when people call, call you on it, you say, oh, no, 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 look at this DNA. It's clearly yeah. not a poodle. It's a new dog. <laughs> like, dies of a heart attack and can't breathe, like, 50% of the time. No, no, here's the thing. Here's yeah. the thing, Alex. Because what I'm, what I'm proposing is going to increase the biodiversity among the dog breeds. Because you're just breeding a whole bunch of other dogs together with each other. <laughs> Until you see what you can get. Until you get what, yeah, until you get what you want. 
Instead of like, instead of just oh breeding, breeding the same kinds of dogs with each other. Well, I mean, to at create that just at the that same point, dogs over and over again. At that point, you're breaking down like breed barriers, and you're just kind of creating homogenous doge. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want. That's what I want at the dog show. Because again, like my my argument is. You know, like, if it's, like, a trade show or, like, a car show or, like, an electronics show, like, you're going to get new kinds of shit every year, right? They're not going to just keep showing you the same thing. It's like, hey, do you guys know about telephones? Like, yeah, we know about telephones. (laughs) (laughs) GE's rolling out the brand new Shih Tzus this year. Exactly like the Shih Tzus from last year. But that's not the point of the dog show. The point of the dog show is that these these are the best (laughs) dogs in the country. They're the most exemplary of their breed. But that's what I'm saying. That sounds like like elitist eugenics bullshit. We just need to have doge. I mean, okay, maybe. But... They're shut up. <laughs> also, it came about in the 19th century. You know what? Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Anymore. <laughs> These are the best damn dogs in all of America, sometimes the world. And I'm just really upset <laughs> that you two won't recognize how great those dogs just, are. I mean, they're just they're the same dogs. They're, they're, they're not all, the same dogs. They're all good heckin' puppers, but I don't know what the big fuss is. Yeah, yeah. Give me something new. Give, give me give me a dog oh that I can fit in my pocket and take video on. That's what I'm waiting <laughs> for. Give, give me one. Give me one with oh, more memory than a TI-84 Doom. calculator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, they can, look, I'm just saying, they can run Doom on, like, a pregnancy test now, but, like, I've not yet to see one dog that can run Doom. Just give me one. <laughs> anyway. That's that's kind of my point. You, you you be careful what you scream into the void. Elon Musk will come out with the new <laughs> Robo dog. No, I don't want a robot. I want a biological dog <laughs> that can. Run no one's doom. listening to me. <laughs> Why is this so hard? This has also been a lot of Nick's day. Is like walking around the apartment and being like, "You're not listening." Are you sure you weren't actually doing drinksgiving this whole day, like both of you? No, like, I'm positive. Okay. <laughs> uh, Listen, sad. you gotta sad. you gotta slip a little whiskey into his coffee in the morning, or else he's just bouncing off the walls the whole day. Ugh. <laughs> like, uh. So what have we been up to? What's going on? Uh, What's going on in our worlds? How are you, Alex? <laughs> oh, I am. I am doing all right. I've. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I've been. Um, in terms of things that I've been doing, working, you know, staying inside, trying not to die. Uh, yep. It's it's been it's been the thing. Uh, I did watch a few things. Uh, we want to talk about those briefly um, don't have much to oh, say yeah. uh, unless you have something to add uh because the first one was a vhs that a friend lent me actually this is the same friend that uh had to talk about dogs um uh, oh my gosh. but he lent me uh he's been lending me all of his old scooby-doo movies that he has on vhs oh, okay. uh and he lent me scooby-doo and the ghoul school Yes. Uh, did you, have you either of you see that? Oh, one? that one's the best one. I remember that one. I don't know. I, I probably have seen it, 
but I it, it was definitely like a trailer on another VHS tape that I had when I was uh, a kid, and so I watched that trailer like a million times. If for the, and then I think I did see it at one point and was like rather underwhelmed. <gasps> you bite your tongue. That is the best of the Scooby Doo movies from I, the nineties. It wasn't from the nineties. That one's it from was the eighties. Yeah. Oh, it was from the eighties. I think. Are you, which one are you? Are you thinking the of? ghoul school? Okay. It was... It's where they had to like they're they're. It's a school for girl ghouls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You did. And they're those. they're like dads come and so it's like. I I def- It's great. It's, I definitely it's the best think one. that Zombie Island is the best of the nineties ones. Uh, I definitely think that. Which is Ghost is the best of the night. I was going to say maybe Which is Ghost. Yeah. But... I know I have a controversial opinion on that. Almost everyone else says Zombie Island uh... is better. I think Which is Ghost. I mean, I don't I don't think it's that controversial. I could definitely see it. Mm-hmm. But Ghoul School, well, fun. I don't think holds the same kind of It doesn't the the other ones aren't it's not on the same level. And it's not yeah. trying to be on the same level. Like, right. both of the Go- Witch's Ghost and Zombie Island are trying to be more, um, I won't say mature, but they're trying to be more kind of, they have more of a story to tell. Whereas this right. one is just, what hijinks can Scooby and Shaggy get into with all of these characters? Um, and yeah, it's, it's just kind of a fun, fun time. Uh, Apparently the the sequel there's like a a direct sequel to it in uh, the Rockton Werewolf which was in my case the one that was the advertisement on the VHS tape, um, but yeah no it was there there's like this rival school that's next door that they have that's like a military academy um, <laughs> that's more laid back than you would think for a military academy but you know it's Scooby Doo. And yeah. they have a volleyball match, and then there's a weird witch that's trying to take over shit, and yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Right? It's it's pretty great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. You're allowed to have your own opinions, but Ghoul School is the best. <laughs> what do you say? What? Which one would you say is the second best? I don't know. I don't know if I saw any of the other ones. <laughs> You've not seen. I just so, remember really loving Ghoul School. So it's just—it's not so much the best as <laughs> the one that you saw, yeah, which makes it. And I loved it, which makes it the best. Fair enough. So I think you, it was like un. Uh, so have you I not seen? Reason, oh. Have you not seen like like Witch's Ghost at all? Like I don't the, think so. Like the Hex Girls. So the only reason that I saw Ghoul School, um, which came out in the eighties, yeah. Or the late, 90s. late 80s i'm pretty sure okay so um my so my dad was in the military and uh in the 80s 88. he was stationed in um turkey oh then this makes perfect sense as to why i saw it and it was the only one that i saw um so right before my so right before my family left to go to turkey um my mom like copied a bunch of um uh, copied like just a shit ton of TV episodes on VHS tapes for my siblings um, since they were going to be in Turkey. And it's like, you're not, it's like, it was, it was the 80s. It was hard to get media out to like places overseas. It's not like today where we sort of live, not like that we live in a uniculture, but to a certain extent. And, um, but you could have watched Turkish Star Wars. Oh, shit. Yeah. Hello, that's, so anyway, um, the moral of the story is is that like, and they came back with all of these DVDs because um, at that time there was very very strict rules about like what you could and couldn't um, 
like give to people um like you my parents had a maid while they were over there and like they couldn't get like they weren't supposed to give the maid like certain things that they could buy at the commissary such bullshit and uh, because it was the the fear was like all of these things would end up on the black market so like they lugged all of those vhs tapes out and like they had to lug them all back (laughs) and so like then when i was a kid when i was a child that was like a lot of what i watched were my siblings old vhs tapes so that's why like i saw a lot of cartoons from the 80s um and that's why i saw goal school and it was like my fucking favorite one and so like i constantly watched it (laughs) but i don't know if they if they taped any of the other ones because i don't think my siblings are super big scooby-doo fans and i think that was just like something that like accidentally came on like a like a like a tape with like fraggle rock or like he-man or like whatever it was that like my siblings were actually into and it was like yeah I guess we'll like have this episode of Scooby-Doo or this movie is Scooby-Doo um and so but like I watched the shit out of that one and it was like one of those things that I watched every Halloween mm-hmm. and that was like my big Halloween tradition is like I'd watch Scooby-Doo in the cool school so like I don't think I've watched any of the other ones but I know I've watched that one and I know that I loved it so weird little like side note for this because I just looked it up on uh on IMDb and uh, the voice actor who played Baxter, whoever that I'm not I can't. It's been so long since I've seen it. I don't remember who that character is, but maybe you remember Alex. The the voice actor who played Baxter is the son of the guy who played Odo on Deep Space Nine. Oh, weird! And he looks just. Oh like my him. god, that he is so fucking weird. To his father, Baxter's wow. one of one of like the the rival school cadets. Oh, okay, he's like a man. Nobody. Maybe. Maybe, uh, so we watched, I'm sorry, are you, because this bleeds very nicely. Oh, I I just wanted to know if you had a favorite ghoul from from ghoul school. Oh, what was, like, the little one? The Tannis, the... the... Yeah, Tannis. She was (laughs) cute. I loved her. Yeah. Who was your favorite? Um, I forget her name but like the ghost always had like a lot of fun energy yeah but i don't know no and i liked how they all had like different personalities like they were all girls but they all had like different personalities which we felt like was mm-hmm. something something that media continues to struggle with <laughs> you know because it's like the pretty one <laughs> the ugly one like it it is truly like comes to runner teen girl squad um but anyway yeah so you wanted to segue that into something else though oh no just the fact that it was uh so the the son of odo (laughs) the son of the actor who played odo was was in ghoul school um and he looks identical to his father um and so one of the things that we watched recently because we've been on this like weird documentary kick but not any like knowledge that is useful or would help us in our daily lives um, and so we watched the uh, What We Left Behind, um, which was the documentary that they did about Deep Space Nine. Okay. Um, and so the idea was like the conceit of the of the documentary, because apparently Avery Brooks was like, I'm not going to do it if we're just talking, you know, going to get a talking heads about like what it was like back in the day. And so they decided instead to do like, what if we got to come back for like season eight? Um, and what would season eight be? Uh, and so they wrote like the opener 
um, the opening episode to season eight, which was really cool. Hmm. And um, they brought up the idea of Odo, but at this point, um, I think it came out last year. It came, I think it came out in 2017. Years, 2017. So it came out like three years. Or 2018. 2018. Because it would have been the 20th yeah. anniversary. So so it came out in, in 2018. Since then, um, the actor who played Odo passed away and this year. And the actor who played Nog. And the actor who played I Nog. I think they both passed away last year. Okay. Um, which is which is really sad and, and maybe unfortunate. Was, maybe it was this year. I can't remember now. But then it's kind of like, oh... Maybe, maybe his son could play Odo. Yeah. <laughs> like if they brought back, because they have been talking about bringing back the show. Um, or they've been talking about doing a, like how Picard got a, like how um, Sir Patrick Stewart got like a spinoff with Picard. They talked about like the idea of like, well, maybe we'll do Star Trek, Cisco, and like Cisco, you know, Avery Brooks will get to have a spinoff. Which, um, given the way the Deep Space Nine ends, it would be very hard to do a spinoff about just, just Cisco. 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 Um, so I liked like what they had pitched um, for for what would season eight look like. Um, what did they? But pitch? It's a very interesting documentary. I definitely, if you're a Deep Space Nine fan, I think it's good to good to watch. What so it, the pitch they they pitched basically just the first episode, and it was a cliffhanger. But it was basically. Something's going on with the wormhole, or something's going on over in the Gamma Quadrant, and Nog comes through the wormhole. He's being chased by something. We don't know what it is. And, like, just as he gets through, his ship blows up. Um, and he's like a Starfleet captain at that point. Um, and so, the and he assembled, like, everybody else back together. So, like, Ezri and chief o'brien and dr bashir and like all of the the old gang get assembled back together on deep space nine 20 years later just like because nog has called them all there because he's found something out but then like he dies and they're not sure if it's like an accident or if he was murdered or what's going on so they like start looking into it um and there's like weird stuff going on with like like the Bajorans have apparently gotten into contact with the Jem'Hadar and have like broken some Jem'Hadar away to do be the new army for Bajor. Because Bajor decided not to join the Federation. Mm. Um, and so Deep Space Nine ended up getting turned back over to the Bajorans. And then it got turned into a shrine, right? Because if you've seen the end of D... Have you seen the DS9, end of DS9? I have not. Are we spoiling no. things? I have oh, Okay, so we're not going to spoil it. We're not going to spoil that then. Um, man, I don't know if we can say anything more. Um, but it would just it would just be very interesting um, to see what you'll when you get to the end you'll see what we what we're talking about. Okay. Because um, you could not have it just be Cisco. Yeah. Um. But apparently, and apparently Avery Brooks, I think I talked about it this last time too. Um, apparently, Avery Brooks has been very very adamant that like he won't do it unless they also bring back. Um, the actor who played his son, Jake. Um, and then I didn't realize, like, they talked about this in the documentary. I didn't realize that they, like, had become incredibly close. Yeah. Like, he would take the, like, he took that actor to, like, basketball games with his, like, biological child. And, and it would just be like, these are my sons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but apparently he, like, you know, helped raise him. And it was, it was interesting. He was, like, it was very important for him to be, like, a role model um like a role model father and so like 
you know, and how he treated Jake and how those scripts lie, like those scripts always worked. Like he had a hand in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, really fascinating. Yeah. It was a really, it was a really good documentary. Like I rec- would recommend, I would recommend not watching it if you haven't watched all of Deep Space Nine. Uh, Makes because sense. they do they do spoil how oh that god happens. just all of it um we almost spoiled it um but yeah the 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 documentary itself it is really it was really funny um because they go through kind of all the you know because it's like gritty tech or it's the gritty star trek it's the dark star trek um and they talked about like all the things that they you know had done and one of the things they, they brought up was sexual identity and um, it was interesting that the showrunner was like, I don't know if we really get a check for that. Like, they apparently they had intended um, to make Garrick gay and Bashir bi. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they talk about it is and it's just like yeah, yeah. One of the f- Andrew Robinson like the fir- one of the yeah, the first very things first he things says. that he says when he comes into the uh, documentary, Andrew Robinson, the guy who played Garrick, was like, someone someone asked him the question of like. Was he really friends with Dr. Bashir or was it all an no, ulterior motive? What did he want? Yeah. What did he want out of that conversation? And, yeah. <laughs> and he was just like, he was like, he wanted to have sex with him. No, no, no. He said, I wanted to fuck, <laughs> fuck him. him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to fuck him. Come back to my, come back to my tailor shop so I can give you some clothes. Oh no, you'll have to be naked. Like he goes on this whole bit about like how much Garrick just like, wanted to fuck Bashir. Mm-hmm. And then it was like really interesting because then it, it was like the other actor, you know, I think Alexander Siddiq talked about it. Mm-hmm. The showrunner talked about it and they were just like, they, they were both just like, we wish we had pushed that button. We really wish that we had like just gone for that storyline. But, but the network was know. not on board with that set of stuff. Yeah. Well, the network, like the network didn't even let, like there's so many things that you find out that like, um, the network pushed back on Avery Brooks having a shaved head and a goatee. Like that's why he looks like fucking Bill Cosby in the first, the first which like, did, did not age well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in the first two seasons, cause they were like, Oh, we don't want him to look, you know, too much, too, uh, too much like, like Malcolm X or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like they gave like a very like shitty explanation, but it was like this very buttoned up white guy. Yeah. Um, who was the producer, you know, who was one of the executives at, at Paramount at the time, who was just like, mm, we couldn't have that. And it, and it, and it was really hard on Avery Brooks because he was like, I hate looking like this. Mm-hmm. He, and, and then you cut to him in interviews and it's, he, that is his look is like shaved head and goatee. And I mean, like, granted, I am the only person on this podcast that is into men. Like that is a sexy fucking look. I mean, I, like, even I can see shit. that. Like he looks way better like that. Right? Like <laughs> he some, looks I, more attractive. But I might be saying that as a man with a shaved head, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> um, you know, but it, and then they were like, you know, yeah. I mean, like you know, like Patrick Stewart could do it, but he's white and you're black, and like it, it was the whole thing. Um, and you just find like all of these ways in which like the executive producers kept like running around trying to like basically sabotage the show every time they did something interesting. Um, But then in the end, it's like, it's probably the one that's aged the best. Yeah. And I like um, one of the things that the, the, the uh, showrunner was pointing out was like, I was looking through, he was like, I was looking through a list of like, you know, black shows from the nineties and like how that was a time when, 
you know, there was really a lot of TV shows that were geared specifically towards black audience or featured a lot of like black actors and black talent. And we weren't on the list. And I thought that was bullshit because they were talking about, oh, uh, Homicide, Life on the Street was this really groundbreaking show because it was like one of the first shows on network television that f had entire scenes where there were just black actors talking to each other. Um, and I'm, and it was like, no, I'm sorry. We did that first. <laughs> and <I>, and <laughs> he's right though. It's show. like, there are a fuck ton of scenes yeah. in DS9 that only have black actors. And the, so they're like very consciously like trying to push stuff forward, which I, it, it like, it definitely does come through. If you watch the show all the way through, there's a lot of stuff that is very like, it pushes a lot of like one of the main characters is it was a terrorist yeah you know mm -hmm. um and it's about like what happens after occupation and like how do you reconcile like someone killing civilians and it's like are they really like is that justifiable and is it justifiable if kira does it because we like her but what if like garrick did it or like what yeah. if like uh what what if like uh Garrick's a bad example because we love Garrick. Yeah, <laughs> we do um, love Garrick. What if um Gold Gold like he you know, like what do we what do we think about him? And it's like well we hate him and yeah, but it's like, you know you can make parallels between. I don't know that kind of falls apart, but I thought it was interesting. They pointed out that like uh Gold like when the show was running, Gold Dukat was everybody's favorite um favorite Cardassian, and now it's Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> um because uh, he inspired us to be that bitch mm -hmm. <laughs> you gotta like i don't know i just really love that like andrew robinson was apparently very conscious and very aware of the fact that he was playing him as a gay man mm -hmm. and was the the character that played bashir also on the same page oh yeah yeah he was on the same wavelength right. but in the sense that like bashir was bi well they did they did do um and i think we keep talking about it on the podcast but during this year during quarantine they, they found a like a fan like a romantic fanfic a, a, a garrick bashir fanfic <gasps> And they, and they like did a live reading of it, so yeah, they're they're both like definitely on board with that idea. <laughs> uh, it's a great. I don't know. It it is a. I do think that Deep Space Nine is probably the best of the Star Trek series, and it is like a lot of it is because of all the boundaries that they were willing to push. Um, even though they couldn't push stuff nearly as far as they wanted to, <laughs> but it's like, if you watch the show these days, you're like, oh man, I, I'm seeing what you're going for and I really respect it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, um, what, what I have seen of it, I, I, I agree. I think it's the best of the series that I have seen. I haven't seen Voyager. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I have heard, I, I have heard free. Actually, I was just talking about this with a friend of mine the other day. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if DS9 is your favorite enterprise, like you will hate enterprise. <laughs> no, see enterprise was the first one that I saw. So it's like, it, it's has, it occupies a space in my brain and like a, mm. you know, when you're a child and your brain's yeah. developing, like that's the space it occupies. So I don't want to rewatch it and ruin it, but like that's fair. In my nostalgia part of my brain, I liked, I enjoyed uh, Enterprise. 
Um, that is fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, I was talking with my, I mean, do you mind if I like ruin it a little bit for you? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, well, it's like my sibling and their wife and, uh, you know, their wife is queer feminist woman. And she was just like, it's so misogynistic. Mm-hmm. Like, Enterprise is so misogynistic, and it's lacking so much diversity. And there's just too many, uh, you know, there's too many male characters. There's not enough women. Um, And what is really funny, what was very telling for me was my sibling um, turned to me and was like, yeah, there are these two white guys on it. And I thought they were the same character. And then they ended up in the same room, and I felt really dumb. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, and so, and that's, and that's kind of what I've heard from people talking about it. It's like, if you, if DS9 is your favorite, you will absolutely 100% hate Enterprise. Mm -hmm. And if Enterprise is your favorite, you will not like DS9. Mm -hmm. Like that is like, those, those are the, the polarities. I don't know if there's anyone who Enterprise is their favorite. There's like, if you go into Star Trek, Star Trek shitposting, there are a lot of stands for Enterprise. Mm. There are like a stupid number of people that absolutely love Enterprise. And I do kind of wonder though, if it is like, if it, they're in the same boat as you, Alex, like this is the show that I grew up with mm-hmm. watching. And so that's why it's the one that I or, love. Or is from, from what I, cause I've never seen a second of Enterprise, so I don't know, but I, I strongly suspect whenever we're like, how are their right-wing Star Trek fans? I think this might be the one that they like because from what I understand, it is the one that it's like the most militaristic. It, it is. It, it... Yeah. So it, it was airing from 2001 to 2005. Oof. And so like the season one is not that bad because it was written all before 9-11. But mm-hmm. all the seasons afterwards, it definitely takes a turn for the, this is now a post 9-11 world uh, kind mm. of oeuvre, especially the second two seasons. Or the, yeah, the second two, the sec- last two seasons, I should say. Because isn't it like set pre like Federation? So it's just like Earth is united. It is. But- it's like they're like there's and there's like marines on the enterprise or something yeah so there's like instead of security they have like uh the marine commander is essentially plays the role of the security officer um and it's it's united earth uh and it details kind of the origins of the federation um and like you do, you do have a Vulcan character because the Vulcans are playing like an important role in the development of Earth's like warp capabilities and all that shit. Yeah. Um, and it does have a Andoran character, I think, uh, who's not mm-hmm. on the ship but is like a major player. Uh, and so like they have a lot of of interaction with that, and it's like trying to form together this alliance. But it's weird in that I'm not I I don't know if this was the intent of the Federation in any previous season, but it definitely places it as like the Federation at least started off as an alliance of convenience against a common foe. Mm. Um, I think that was always something that was in the background. Cause it was, it's like 
the Andorans, the Vulcans, and and humans against like the Klingons, right? No, it was it was this group. I think they called them the Jindi, uh, which okay, is okay. Then maybe not what I was thinking. Yeah. Um. But they they pull a nine eleven on Florida. I think if I'm remembering correctly. Um. No, they, they pull they pull a um, they pull a Rio de Janeiro uh, <laughs> from Starship Troopers. Uh, I could be conflating Goddamn Starship Troopers with Star, uh, Star Trek Enterprise, but I'm pretty sure that they destroy a large part of Florida. Buenos with... Aires, not Rio de Janeiro. Sorry. Anyway, Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's 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 very much like early 2000s and so i can see where right wing star trek fans would get on it because the country kind of took a step to the right and hasn't really stepped back very much Mm. outside of you know us kids Mm -hmm. younger than kids you know younger than 35 (laughs) but we got biden oh my god When do we start get to make fun of him? Is it January twenty first? Uh, I think uh... we can make fun of him now. I basically never stopped. Yeah, did you <laughs> did you did you stop making fun of him? No, <laughs> I, I was making fun of him as I was voting for him. <laughs> like, uh, anyway, yeah, I don't know. That was one of, we watched that, and we watched one that's like maybe a little bit less fun to talk about. But we watched uh, the vow. Which is a documentary about uh, the Nexium cult. Which, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I don't really have much to say about it because I knew a lot about it kind of going into the documentary. Yeah, and it sounds like... Um, so do, you, do you know anything about this, Alex? Not a clue, no. What is the Nexium okay. cult? So it was this like MLM, so multi-level marketing scheme slash cult. It wasn't exactly. It was kind of an MLM, but not really. Yeah. Well, no, because you had to pay to take the classes, and right. you were, but you were like, encouraged to like recruit there, people to take the there classes. Weren't anything to, there wasn't anything to actually sell. Wikipedia it says no, it is a self-proclaimed multimedia, multi-level marketing campaign. Yeah. They well, call so, themselves that, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the idea was that you sold the classes, classes, and there were all of these like self-help guru kind of classes, right? Like... You know, and it, it's basically it's all ripped off of Scientology. At least a lot of it. Um, and so Nick had listened to the Behind the Bastards podcast, um, did an episode. Robert Evans did an episode about Nexium, and then HBO and it's kind of like the Firefly incident where it was like everybody came out with their own um, fire festival. Yeah. Yeah. And, because the guy, the guy who ran it, just got like. 150 years in prison yeah. or something like that like it so it's been kind of big news over the last few months because you know what else is happening but like all of these different streaming platforms came out with their own documentary about it and so we just watched um we watched the hbo one because that was the one that you know that's we what we have to. yeah and so um but it was kind of interesting because apparently the guy who directed what the bleep do we know um which if you were an indie kid in the 2000s um grossing it grossed like 10 million dollars that that fucking documentary and so um really yeah no it was like apparently i don't know they 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 said something in the series 
I was like, it's one of the all-time highest grossing documentaries. And I was like, I'm going to look this up. Um, it's not. Um, there are many more documentaries that have made significantly more money. But, it, I mean, it did make $10 million. Um, and But apparently he was like a high-ranking member um, and was not involved. Like, he makes it very clear. Um, he was not involved in the sex trafficking part. Um, but so basically it was, it was an MLM selling self-help classes and then, and basically, but really it was a cult. Like it was a cult based off of, based out of Albany, um, that got all of these like really like a lot of like heirs and heiresses. So people like kind of like fail sons. <laughs> Like the daughters of the, the, the Seagram's, Seagram's liquor company. Like, because she couldn't be bothered to do anything besides, like, learn how to ride fucking horses. And um, that's, like, a point in the documentary. But um, she, so it was, like, like right, like, the, the daughters of the Seagram liquor empire. Um, the director of What the Bleep Do We Know. Uh, one of the actors from the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, the woman who played Aunt Beru yeah. in, the, in the Star Wars prequels. Oh, word. Okay. Was yeah. It? yeah. She was one of the main people. Um, really? Because she was married to the guy who directed What the Bleep Do We Know, and they kind of, like, went in together. And then when she she got approached for, like, the sex cult part of it. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Hello? I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, so she, she... She got approached for the sex cult part of it and was like... Um, and basically was like, oh, I'm getting out of this. And then, like, her husband was very reluctant to be like, no, but, like, these people are my friends. And then, like, started getting more and more information about it. It was like, oh, we're involved with terrible people. We should go. Because it was, it was a lot of... <laughs> This is like the really shitty thing that you find out in the documentary. It was basically like a lot of women sounding the alarm. <laughs> and it was like anytime the women sounded the alarm on what was going on, which was, you know, they were using. um, They were basically like recruiting a bunch of women into like a separate secret group. Um, but it all had to do with fucking Keith Raniere. And um but anytime that they would kind of start to sound the alarm and be like, this is a really big problem, they would get pushed out and then men would take their place in the in the cult. And, and, um, and so that's what happened to the director of What the Bleep Do We Know. Um, there is like several, a couple of women who are like, this is, this is terrible. This is not good. Um, and they ended up getting sued for like millions of dollars, right? And so then after they get pushed out, um, the guy that cre- that directed What the Bleep Do We Know ends up getting pushed onto the board, right? So that's how they're they're working the triangle um, or they're working their pyramid scheme. And um, but yeah, so basically it was this running theme of, of women sounding the alarm and not being taken seriously and men coming in to take their place. Mm-hmm. And um, what ended up and then he finally like nick was saying he finally started taking it seriously when it ended up affecting his wife um who's very close to ali mack the girl from smallville um who was basically ranieri's like right hand woman um creating this like secret society where the women had to put forth like essentially blackmail material so like taking like really compromising photos 
um, you know, doing videos, like sharing like really horrible secrets about themselves, whatever it was. And you find out like it, it goes up the chain, it goes up the chain and it's all being done for Keith Raniere, right? Like, so mm. he just has fuck tons of pictures of all of these, like fuck tons of pictures of naked women um, who are involved with this cult. And uh, kind of one of the reasons why I guess maybe that was easier for the, um, maybe it was easier for the director of What the Belief Do We Know and his, and his wife, who was an actress, is the entire time that he was in the cult, Keith Raniere convinced him to make a documentary proving that he was a totally good and fine guy. <laughs> so he, they have like hours upon hours of footage of like video footage. They can be like, this is when like time stamped, like this is the moment that he meets Ali Mac. And this is the moment like that shit starts hitting the fan. And this is when this happens um, because he had just been, he had been keeping, um, you know, all of this video evidence for like 15 years. Mm. Uh, and it all ended up being put together in this HBO documentary. But like you said, there was like one of the documentaries. Apparently there was like a Lifetime movie because um, it turns out there was a woman who is like the daughter of one of the princesses of Yugoslavia. Um, and she was like a big soap star uh, in the 80s and 90s on Dynasty. Um, her daughter got super involved with the cult. And um, she kept, like, it was just she kept trying to get convinced the authorities to, like, go do something. And the authorities were kind of like, well, if they're consenting adults, we can't really do much about it. Like, it doesn't sound like anything illegal is happening. Mm. Um, you know, and then, right, like, that's what they say. And then, like, three years later, he's getting, like, 150 or 120 years in federal prison. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, it's it's fucking wild. It's really interesting. I don't know if it was, it was cool that it was the, it was a lot of original material. Yeah. Or that it was like a lot of footage, you know, from the time that gave you a very like good timeline. There were times where I felt like they framed Keith Raniere in almost like a sympathetic light um, because they were trying to frame the main, so it's the main cast of characters um, it's like the director, his wife, uh, a friend of theirs who's another actor and her husband are sort of, and then the, the soap act, the soap actress, soap opera star from like the eighties. Right. So mm -hmm. they're kind of like the core of people that you're following through while all of this is happening. And they were the ones that actually created the case, um, that allowed the New York attorney general to basically shut them down. And, um, and so that part was kind of interesting, but I think in a, in their efforts to try to give paint them in a sympathetic light, you almost or like you know to get you to understand like why, why people they got involved, yeah. yeah, why people would get involved with this, it makes Keith Raniere almost sound like sane or I, palatable. I think mm -hmm. the the thing that I got out of it was like listening to him. It's like okay, you can kind of see like how people would kind of fall under his sway because he is like very charismatic kind of a thing. And like, but it's like, and especially if you've ever seen what the bleep do we know, it's a whole bunch of like really 
like well present like convincingly presented nonsense <laughs> is kind of how I would describe that documentary. Uh, so like I kind of joked when we first got when we first started watching it, it's like, well, yeah, if you marry the guy who directed what the bleep do we know, you are going to end up in a cult at some point or another. <laughs> like it's just a matter of what kind of cult. Right. It's like just be glad it was a sex cult and not Heaven's Gate. Right. But, right. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry that was terrible that was a bad joke and i apologize but i mean it's not it's not it, it, you're not entirely wrong because like that's like a lot of what that movie is about like if you go and watch that movie it's like did you know that if you like write the word for love on a label and put it on a bottle of water that that water will freeze differently than water that you put the word hate on like it's a lot of shit like that okay <laughs> He was very, you know what? This was very profound when we were in high school. No, I, cause I watched it when I, I watched it when we were in, when I was in high school, definitely. And I was like, like the stuff about quantum physics, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But then when it got to that stuff, I'm like, I, I, that sounds like bullshit. Like that just <laughs> straight up, straight up sounds like nonsense. And that was kind of the same impression that I got watching like this, the, the footage of Keith Raniere mm-hmm. was just like, like, he would say something that it would be like, if you were, like, a freshman in college, like, smoking weed after studying for, like, your philosophy 101 exam, yeah. like, you might find this very important. So, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, but, like, if you're an adult watching it, you should just be like, that didn't mean anything all those words that you said like individually meant things but the way that you assembled them together they didn't mean anything turns out turns out you could just put words in any order yeah (laughs) really but yeah and and he would talk in these like really long rambling sentences and he was deeply misogynistic like said horrific things about women and like but he would say it and he would just kind of like, ha you know, like, you know, like, I mean, it's just your lady brains. Like he would say it in this really like cutesy, folksy sort of way. I'm just like, you're probably like the least educated out of any of these, any of these women in the room. Like how fucking dare you? And I guess it was one of those things where it's like, well, you're not going to, you know, if this is the guy that you think is going to change the world and is a guru because he met with like the Dalai Lama, like he can, like he even fucking convinced like the Dalai Lama that, you know, he was, he was on the up and up and he like had, you know, knowledge that nobody else did. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Which like, regardless of your feelings about the Dalai Lama, it's like, you know, he's a very like political, important political and religious figure. Right. Yeah, and he may he may have also just been like nodding, nodding, and to get this guy to go away, like, kind of. Yeah, that is, that's that was what I very mean. much, very much the vibe that you get because they have footage of it, right? Because <laughs> the guy who directed What the Bleep Do We Know, I'm forgetting yeah. his name, so that's why I have to say it like that. But um, you know, what he he was there in the room, like we have footage of that meeting. Yeah. Um. So it's it's all it's sort of understandable. I you know it was one of those things where I was like, man. Maybe it's a good thing that I didn't move to New York after college. <laughs> like, I was definitely, like, watching it. And I was like, I wonder if I, en- I would have ended up in that sex call. <laughs> oh, goodness. So in, in the Discord uh, chat, I posted an image I found from Wikipedia about 
uh, this cult's ideology and mm -hmm. like the origins of what they believe. And I want you to take a look at this and try to piece together what the fuck this is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this needs to be yeah. This is this is it. This is the image this for is the uh, image this is for the... our. Uh... This is our podcast image yeah. at the moment. Yeah, I mean, episode. it is. It is absolutely right though, because there like is like you're a, not wrong. There is a like Freud, and yeah, the the Hubbard stuff with Scientology, and the, like Tony Robbins. Yeah, no, it absolutely. The more I'm looking at it, this the more acting. sense it makes. <laughs> I love how acting sci-fi judo to judo. Oh no, one hundred percent. Oh my god, the okay. fucking judo shit. So this guy brags about being like a grand champion when he was like eleven. Mm-hmm. Which, first of all, if you are a grown-ass adult, like, please stop telling us, like, you should not be bragging about things that you did in middle school. Right. Um, <laughs> you like, also, unless you kill, like, unless you cured cancer. I, I'm sorry. I need to say this. If you are past the age of, like, 20, you shouldn't be bragging about having a black belt in a martial art. Like, I'm not saying that you can't enjoy martial arts, that you mm -hmm. can't, like that you can't do them for like health or meditation or so like even self defense but that shouldn't that shouldn't be something that you go to as like right. well right. i have a yeah yeah i think the the one exception to that rule is like if you teach it mm. right like if you if you like if you are actively if you own a dojo right. 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 then it's not bragging it's teach, just credentials like a, yeah it's yeah. just credentials like the, what i'm saying is like they're not credentials for anything else <laughs> It's like, like I don't go not... up to people. It's like I won my middle school's geography B. It's like no, I yeah. did, but I don't like. Who cares? This is yeah. probably the first time you've ever heard about it. Also, after a certain age, so that was like one of the things that he he would always brag about. The other thing that he would always brag about was his IQ. Mm, uh, uh, which that's like another thing. Like after a certain age, a big you, red flag right there. Yeah, you you need to not. Like, Mensa is useful in the sense that, like, we know the building to bomb. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Mensa building. You I'm know, sorry. You know who to avoid. If, so anyway, yeah, again, exactly. That's another, that's another helpful tip for it's, like, if you're an adult mm -hmm. and you want to know, like, should I trust this person or not? First of all, are they bragging about being in, uh, like, having a black belt in a martial art? Second of all, are they talking about being in Mensa or mentioning their IQ at all? Avoid them. Avoid them. <laughs> Just don't. You don't. You don't need to be around them. Mm -hmm. Oh my god! And so he would do. He would do all of that, and. He was like, I have a two, I have, my IQ is like 204, and I'm just like. I think the funniest thing that he puts out which as is a, not like a real, like. I, I had to learn how to give these tests. Right. Mm -hmm. In graduate school, like. That's not how that works. That's not how any of that fucking works. Right. <laughs> like, I, I'll say this. I, I will. Um, so, the 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 thing that is probably the funniest about like the way that this guy like gives his credentials, and I think they mention it once in the vow, but it's like it's way like way funnier because it's one of those things that they mention in passing. And then they never mention again. But I think they bring it up a lot more in the Behind the Bastards episodes. Is that, like, he, he gives us one of his credentials now. Like, well, not now anymore because he's in prison. Um, but as, an, as, you know, when he was, like, trying to draw people into his, like, cult. One of the things that he would say in, like, his, like, introduction for himself. Is that he is one of the top three problem solvers in the world. 
<laughs> which I think is maybe one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. It's one of the top three. Yeah. I mean, I just, oh my God. It just, it reminds me, it reminds me of, uh, of like, of DC Comics. There's a character named Mr. Terrific. And that's like, that's one of Mr. Terrific's things is he is like the third smartest person on the planet. Oh. <laughs> it's just literally like every time I hear him, like I heard him say that. I'm like, the third smartest person. The third, and it's not even the third like smartest person. It's like I, the third, like, like, cause again, like IQ is bullshit, but you could at least measure IQ and like point yeah. to it and be oh like, God. I have the third highest IQ on the planet, but to say it as I am one of the top three problem solvers, what, can you solve this <laughs> Rubik's cube super fast? Like, how do you measure that? Who is the first two? I know. That's what I want to know. <laughs> Who are the first two problem solvers? Which I love that like y- you had all of this knowledge. The best part for me is like, <laughs> You, you had all, all this knowledge and you just used it to rape a bunch of women. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's G- wow. Wow. Way to go, buddy. Way to like, way to fucking knock it out of the park. Uh, this is why white men are trash. I love you. <laughs> <It's> um, <laughs> I know that I'm trash. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, Ugh, I yeah, I, I want to listen to the behind the bastards episode because I like that. Robert Evan seems Seems like he probably took a more, uh, like, I don't know, even keel, a more fair-handed, yeah. <laughs> like, approach to this. I mean, like, you know, to be fair, like, they are victims, right? Except for Allie Mack, fuck her. But, like, the other women were clearly victims. Um, and, it, and it is very sad. And it is very sad that, like, they have so many people that lost, like, decades and years of their lives. And, like, he just, he fucking ruined people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you find out that there's like an ex, his ex-wife, he like drove to bankruptcy. Um, you know, and like, yeah, it's disgusting. Like it's, it's really, really frustrating and it's really, really disgusting. Um, I kind of want to like listen to the behind the bastards though. Yeah, you know, I recommend it's, it. I feel like it might've been like a more succinct, I, and I, direct way of going over that information. I recommend Behind the Bastards to basically anyone who will listen. Like, that's yeah. one of my all-time favorite podcasts right now. Um, they did one. Uh, one of the ones that came out recently is all about... Um, uh, oh, God. What is the what is the topic? Oh, Jesus. It's basically, like, why you shouldn't trust rich people. Yeah, it's basically why you shouldn't trust anyone who's in charge. Mm. Um it's like elite elite panic that's what it's about um which is basically just in in the events of crisis the people who are in power are the ones who panic and the people who don't have power just kind of go help people see that's the other thing too about keith ranieri being like i the third best problem yeah. solver in the world. I'm like, you're probably fucking not. Yeah. Like well, you're. He's like, also not a judo champion. So like. No, but it's like you know the the greatest problem solvers in the world are probably like people that you know. It's it's nobody living in the United States unless they're living below the poverty line. Yeah. You know what I mean. But like like if you have to daily, like if you have to problem solve where you're getting your fucking water from every right. day you are probably one of the top problem solvers 
in the world. Mm. You know what I mean? Nobody, nobody that can order DoorDash is a good problem solver. Right. Okay. Like nobody that, you know, has a, has a daily, like, I, I don't know, but nobody that owns a fucking Peloton or like whatever these people were doing (laughs) is a, is a problem solver. Right. Like that's why you ended up in this cult. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) That that is one thing that I'll say for this is like, this is a cult that like definitely did target affluent, like affluent people. And so it's like, to a certain extent, you don't feel sorry for this again. Like I said at the beginning, like when we first started watching it and the guy came in, it's like, Oh, I'm the director of what the bleep do we know? I'm like, Oh, you are always going to wind up in a cult. Like (laughs) this is the least surprising thing I have ever seen. And everybody's trying to frame it and tying into the, the elite panic thing. It's like, everybody's saying like, how did they, how did they like end up? I mean, you wouldn't think the like, granddaughter of a princess would end up in a cult and it's like no that's the exact that, that's fucking the exact person. person that i would think would wind up in a cult <laughs> the, like, or or rather that's the exact person who i think would wind up in this cult yeah like let's put it like that because like it's like because the the whole the whole point with these classes was to like get you know, find your life's purpose and like give your life meaning where it's like if you if you've just had everything handed to you in your entire life like your entire life was perfect from the time that you were a zygote yeah like you're never going to have to like want for anything and so you're never gonna have to work for anything so you're never gonna have fulfillment so obviously someone coming around saying like oh well we can we can save the whole world with my stupid like bullshit thing that's basically just talk therapy but we use it to blackmail people instead of just like actually help them like, Ugh. like obviously you're gonna fall for that. Yeah. Um. But it's like anyone, like, and I, I do want to make this clear. It's like anyone could potentially fall. Like everyone has something that they can fall for. Like, and to think that you are not going to be able to fall for anything makes you more susceptible to falling for something. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's like again, if you go and listen to this guy talk, it's like, oh, this means nothing. Like, if if you are someone who is, like, at least decently educated, who has actually had to work for a living, who's, like, you know, you know, you don't have to have everything sorted out, but it's, like, you just, if you listen to this guy talk for long enough, it definitely goes into that point of, you have been speaking for 15 minutes and haven't said a single goddamn thing that is actually worth noting that you didn't steal from a, like a psych 101 class. Mm. Like that's what all of this is. The, the, the best and or worst part about that documentary. I'm sorry. I know we keep talking about it. Um, is it's there like is the only thing we watched recently. So it's the only thing we've got to talk about, but uh, there's like a turning point um, where you find out. So you find out that like the whole genesis of this idea was um that Keith Raniere and then this other woman Nancy who is a talk therapist were you know like a licensed counselor um were going to go to different um they were going to go to different businesses and pitch these classes for like self-actualization right and the businesses they kept pitching and the businesses basically said like you know these are like fortune 500 companies and like hey 
listen, like Nancy, if you want to come and do this class, we will pay you lots and lots of money. Um, but we don't want to fuck with Keith. <laughs> like he's creepy and weird and also had like a failed yeah. business before this. You find out MLM, MLM before this. And so like he was, you know, he was, yeah, I don't know, like the redheaded stepchild. And so like nobody wanted to like do business with him. And it was just kind of like, you know, Nancy, had you just taken that money and cut Keith out like, you know, you probably would have ruined some lives. I'm not going to say that you wouldn't, but it would be like the VP of of like American Airlines. So like who gives a shit, right? <laughs> like like it would have been like a, gen- a bunch of like junior vice presidents at Saks. Like who cares, you know? And and like at least we wouldn't have ended up with like a fucking sex cult. Yeah. Mm. Um and I think that's kind of like the worst part of the documentary is like man if you if you had just made like a slightly different decision but it is sort of like insulting how all of these people like with all of this money and and this is like the other reason why like billionaires should not exist because like instead of paying their fucking taxes like they're going out and having like adult summer camps in the adirondacks with a fucking cult leader and it's like yeah maybe maybe we just need to tax the, like maybe maybe taxing the rich yeah. is like the least we should be doing right now, you know. Eat so, the anyway. rich. Eat the rich. <laughs> Eat the rich. Oh man, no, I'm I'm encouraging everyone. Maybe maybe watch the Val. Like it certainly was like it was definitely an entertaining watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like again, it's like not that. If you are familiar with it, there's like not a whole lot of twists and turns. Yeah, to it, there's not a lot of new information. Um, although they are apparently planning on doing a second season. So they like end it with like like Keith Raniere's voice at the end, like the stinger. I'm assuming you're not gonna watch it. No. Um, but like the stinger is like they like they had Keith Raniere's voice, I guess from either calling from prison, calling from prison, and being like, you know, that's not the whole story, and it's like. Yes, it fucking is, bitch. <laughs> like, shut mean, up. It's not really because it was going up just to his arrest. Yeah. Like, I'd yeah. like to know, like, I'd like to know about the trial. Like, honestly, I yeah. am kind of interested in, in that. Yeah. Um. Uh, so but apparently- if you want, like, the short, succinct, and free yeah. version. Yeah, Behind the Bastards. Go to Behind the Bastards and, um, and listen and to that And while you're episode. while you're listening to that, I also, again, recommend the one about Elite Panic that came out uh, earlier this week. Or I think it was last week at this point. Yeah, it was last week. Um, earlier. And then also then go back and listen to Behind the Police from the summer because I think everyone in the country <laughs> should listen to those two things um, and understand like how fucked the country is mm-hmm. um, based off of just those two those two things. Anyway, anyway. yeah, that's. Oh, what's, what were we saying? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that that's really that's really all that we've watched recently. Mm-hmm. We talked about we talked about uh, Harley Quinn last time, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was yeah. a brief throwaway thing that Elise said early on, which was about how one of these people involved was like of the royal family of Yugoslavia, and I've just been going on like a Wikipedia dive into. Sorry. Oh, really? I, <laughs> it's just, it's just weird how like. Like, Yugoslavia hasn't had a royal family since the 1940s, mm-hmm. and then Yugoslavia hasn't existed since the 1990s, and yet there's still pretenders to the throne that yeah. still have a lot of money and still do weird stuff like 
Prince Dimitri, who owns a jewelry firm and yeah. was named International Best Dressed uh, in the International Best Dressed in 1994. Uh, fuck these guys. Like, what the yeah. fuck? There, there was one part in the, the documentary where it was like, the the that woman was on the phone to someone. It was oh my like, god! Oh yeah, was, she Charles. was on the phone to their her mother. Oh yeah, yeah. Could you get Charles to see if like to to call up the Dalai Lama and like see if we can get the Dalai Lama Ooh. to come? And then like she got off the phone and someone else in the car with her was like Charles, and she's like Prince Charles. <laughs> he's my it's second like cousin. <laughs> like Jesus fucking Christ. Fucking nobles. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe if you'd made your kid, like I don't know. Not, not that I want to be one of these people that's like, like work will say, you know, like work, oh, that's terrible. That don't you, say that. But like, I don't want to be one of these people. You need that, to like, work. You like know. you need to like go and like do things with mm-hmm. your life. Yeah. Like I was just like maybe if your kid, like maybe if you just made your kid have like a job at McDonald's. For six like, months. <laughs> like, like, do, like, the last emperor of China, like, you know, have him, he just was like a, what was he, like a, he was just like a farmer, I think, after a while. No. Or something. Like, did you ever watch the movie The Last Emperor of China? Mm-mm. No. No? All right, so, as the name suggests, it's a biopic about the last emperor of China, um, who was just a kid when, when the, the Qing dynasty fell, oh, and then... Yeah. I think the movie wasn't the movie just called The Last Emperor. It may have been just called The Last Emperor. Um, but yeah, it's just The Last Emperor. Uh, but yeah, no, it's like it shows him as a kid, of course, uh, with the fall of the Qing, and it shows him as like a young adult as the puppet of uh, Manchu Kuo under the Japanese, and then it shows him as like a middle-aged adult under the PRC. And he's just like he's, I think, like a farmer or something, and he's doing all right. It's like do that with monarchs, you know. Yeah. You yeah. don't have you don't necessarily have to give them the firing squad if they'll just like go farm. What, I guess. What does it, I don't like, know. The emperor of of Japan. I'm on the emperor of Japan's like Wikipedia right now, but it's like don't like they're also just kind of like eh. Well, I mean, after the whole World War II thing. When they rewrote the Constitution and made them renounce their divinity, mm-hmm. like, they kind of chilled out a little bit after that. Yeah. Didn't the previous emperor, like, step down, like, for the first time since the Sengoku Jidai? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, like, last year the new emperor took took the throne, but, like, his father's still alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was, a, there was a whole weird thing where it's like, they were finally going to rewrite the Constitution to allow like women to inherit the Japanese throne and then the this current emperor had like a son and everyone's like oh I guess we don't have to change the rules and they're like <laughs> fuck you <laughs> I did not know that yeah. that's, that's news to me yeah that happened a few years back but um oh god I was gonna oh I remember what I was gonna say so like during the uh French Revolution mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened to uh, the the eldest son, like the crown prince, yeah, like the dauphin of France, like they just kind of like the 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 uh, I can't remember which which faction it was, probably the uh, the Jacobites, uh, took the dauphin away and just like gave him to like a shoemaker <laughs> to raise <laughs> or something like that, 
and he like gave him a new name and stuff and he just like lived the rest of his life as just some guy in France. Yeah, but like he didn't didn't he like then go to Britain and then was restored or was that his son? That I think that might have been his son, wasn't okay. it? Okay. That's that's always the problem with nobles is that yeah, you can you can have them be raised by shoemakers, but some other monarch's going to grab them and use them as a pawn. Like that's mm. and that's why we have to shoot Anastasia. I I've already gone over this, okay? <laughs> so, what have been I think is yeah, Louis the 17th. Yeah. Um the younger son of Louis the 16th, older but Oh, okay, no, the older the older Dauphin. Okay, yeah. So the the oldest brother, the oldest son, died in 1789. So he died before the um, the French Revolution started, mm. and then the younger brother became the Dauphin. Uh, and then he and then died. His, when his father was executed, he automatically succeeded. So, so then he became Louis the Seventeenth. Um, and then Louis the Eighteenth was an uncle or something. Yes, like his that. uncle. Okay. And okay. But yeah, so he's like he was technically Louis the Seventeenth, but like he was never really like crowned. King, I don't think. And then yeah, they just kind of took him away and like. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember. This was another podcast I listened to like years ago about mm-hmm. the French Revolution. Um, but yeah, I don't think he ever really became king. Like, he technically did, but, like, just for a minute. Oh, he died in 1795. Yeah, he died when he was 10. Okay. Uh, Apparently, his heart is still uh, embalmed and still on display somewhere. Ew. (laughs) There's a picture of it on Wikipedia. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's just... Ugh. Monarchs are weird and need to go away. Yeah. That's that's the, the crux of our argument. Especially uh, all these people that are like, I'm the princess of a country that no longer exists. Yeah. You're the princess of a country that not only doesn't exist, but got rid of its monarchs like before it stopped existing. Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Yeah. Uh, but she's still like, again, second cousin to like Charles the second. Oh, Charles. The uh, so yeah, yeah, they're all oh, all related. God. Yeah, no, it's the worst. It like. Again, listen to that Elite Panic episode and be like, no one should ever be in charge of anything. <laughs> now, see, like, that's that's that sounds like yeah, that's that sounds like uh, anarchism. There, you're talking it, about it, it I, is, but like, I know the, it is. The whole point, the, but the whole point of it is that like, oh yeah, when people are in charge and then things go badly, they panic. Like, yeah. and, and there, and it was some like the the big thing that he talked about in that episode to kind of like illustrate it was. There was, like, a, a grocery store in South America. I can't remember <laughs> where exactly it was now, because um, this was, like, a week ago at this point. But there's, like, grocery store was, like, really poorly maintained. But, you know, they kept doing it like that. And so, like, to make more money, like, to get money out of people and, like, not have to pay anything out. And then, because it was so, like, shittily maintained, it ended up catching fire with, like, hundreds of people inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then they fucking barred the doors and refused to let people exit because they hadn't paid for shit yet. God. A fucking grocery store. Like, no yeah. one should be in charge of anything. 
Like, <laughs> this is what happens when people in are in charge of things. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other ones that was really interesting was like um, a, a, and I'm gonna have to read this book because he kept citing this book uh, called A Paradise Made in Hell, which is all about like all of these all of these times where like horrible disasters happened and just regular everyday people kind of came in and like were the heroes of that moment while like the people who were supposed to be the heroes like sat on their asses or actively worked against the things that were good um so like there was one where there was like i think it was an earthquake in alaska that like caused an avalanche and like trapped a lot of people and so like these like amateur mountain climbers started going out and rescuing people while the actual like official state rescue department or like no it was the police department i think went into a bar where people had been drinking right up until the moment of the earthquake and just deputized a whole bunch of drunk assholes and in some cases gave them guns <laughs> okay because because we can't rescue people we just have to shoot rioters and people who are trying to take things. We got to shoot people in this disaster. Fucking Here, drunk idiots. Go Here's a gun. Oh, God. Anyway, listen to that episode. It's like, it might be the most important. I feel like it's one of the more important ones that he's done recently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Especially since the, the one that came out this week was just an extra one that he did on like Dave Rubin. Because mm -hmm. he, he, they have like a buffer and they ran out of buffer over the summer because of, you know, the riots and stuff that he had to go cover. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I feel like that's all I've really got to talk about this week. Other than, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, uh, there was one other thing I've been watching, um, which I, I may have mentioned before. Did I ever tell you about uh, this anime that I saw before and then I'm rewatching it with my sister? Uh, called The Devil is a Part-Timer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I've yeah. seen clips of that. You've seen clips of that? Is it All good? Right. It's real good. Um, oh, good. I, yeah. If, uh, if I haven't mentioned on the podcast, I'm going to briefly mention it again. But essentially, it's a reverse isekai. So the, uh, the devil in this, like, fantasy world is fighting against the hero. And it, he's almost lost, so he builds a portal to escape his fate and ends up in modern Tokyo and yeah. uh, makes a living working at McDonald's yeah. uh, as a part-timer. And eventually he's going to work his way up to store manager. Uh, he, he basically just completely gives up on trying to take over the world after a while. And it's hilarious. Uh, and like the hero of course, follows him to the world and this hijinks that ensue it's it's great it's a lot of fun and uh it's on funimation if you have access to that if you don't have access to that uh let me know and i will give you my funimation <laughs> <login>. <laughs> uh not you listener just nick and elise sorry <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah do do recommend and uh my my sister because my sister works like at uh i won't go into specifics but she works like at a retail store that is not McDonald's, but it is a store like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she has been giving me so many looks as like feeling so attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that a second time. But other than that, like I haven't been doing a whole lot. Like I've been 
a group of friends set up a Minecraft server, so I've been getting back into that. Um, been working, haven't had much time for much else, really. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's a podcast. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else, but like the big thing that I'm rem- remembering is is uh, Owl House, and I already talked about that extensively last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, uh, yeah. So, is that it for a podcast? Are I think we? That's, yeah, we're, we've gone for a good amount of time. All right. All right. So, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Stay safe out there. Don't don't go nowhere. Don't join a sex cult. Don't join a sex cult. Don't don't contribute to the super spirit event, which is going to be Thanksgiving. Yeah. If a man comes up to you and he says that he's a judo champion, you just walk the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he's eleven, in which case you know you pat yeah. him on the then head and tell that, him good you yeah, good boy. Yeah. Well, don't don't pat him on the head. Just keep keep six feet distance. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is yeah. true. Give him a thumbs up from six feet away. <laughs> <laughs> It's the only people that are allowed to brag about being a judo champion. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, I think that's all uh, the advice we've got for you guys this this time around. Thank you all for listening. My name is Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And we've been some nerds of a podcast. You all have a wonderful time. Bye.